Hi, and welcome to Ask Wardy. I'm Wardy, a wife and mom of three, lead teacher, blogger, and founder of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm also the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. Ask Wardy is the weekly show devoted to answering your niggling questions about traditional cooking. Maybe it's your sourdough starter, your sauerkraut, preserving foods, broth, superfoods, or anything else to do with traditional cooking. You can catch Ask Wardy live each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, that's 1 p.m. Eastern, or through the podcast and video replays at askwardy.tv. And now, let's get to today's show. what I've got here for you today, some beautiful sourdough bread. We are going to be talking about how to make sure that your sourdough bread is light and less dense because we've all been in the position where we bring a loaf of bread out of the oven and we're like, ah, why is it so dense? Why can't I make a light loaf? Well, everybody has been there, including me. So today I have 11 tips to help you make lighter, less dense sourdough bread. Before we get to that, I want to welcome you to Ask Wardy. This is my weekly show where I share um, answers to your questions about traditional cooking. My name is Wardy and I'm from Traditional Cooking School by Ganaufglins. This show happens every Wednesday at this time, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And everything that I'm sharing is available right now at askwardy.tv. So you can even head over there right now and look for this episode. It's number 53 if you want to follow along on the notes of all the tips I'm going to share. Um, If you're here live on Periscope or Facebook Live, hello, so glad you're here. Please feel free to like, comment, and share. Love to see what's happening in the comments there, and I love when you share this with your friends and family. If you do have any questions as we go along, I will be looking at them later. Uh, But also, if you're on Facebook, Millie is there in the comments answering questions and pasting links as we go along. So you can, of course, uh, say, hey, I need some help, and she'll be right there to help you. Okay, so let's get started. Here's the issue. You feel like wringing your hands, tearing your hair out. It can be very frustrating when you're working with sourdough to pull a dense loaf out of the oven. And you may have tried it many times. You may have been on your first attempt and it's dense, but either way, it's just as frustrating. And it's been that way for me as well because I have had my share of hockey puck loaves. Uh, June F. recently asked a question for tips on this, so I figured it was time to share all the tips that I have in my head that I use myself every time I bake bread to make sure that most of the time we get lighter, dense, less dense loaves. So June's question is, she said, I finally got a good whole wheat starter. Yay, June. In fact, I made my first loaf yesterday. It is very dense and heavy, so I need to work on lightening it up somehow. Wardy, could you address how to make a lighter, less dense loaf of sourdough bread? That would be awesome. Well, June, yes, it would be awesome to make lighter, less dense sourdough bread, and I am thrilled to help you with that. So here we go, 11 tips. And uh, that may sound like, oh no, that's a lot to cover, but these are so no-nonsense comments no nonsense and common sense that goes together doesn't it we're going to go through them very quickly as i say them you're going to say oh 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 yes that makes sense so what i hope is that you will walk away with one or two things that you haven't thought of that you can put to work today or tomorrow on your own sourdough bread to make it lighter and less dense 
So here's the list for you. Some may apply, some may not, but the goal is that you will walk away with something that helps June or anybody who's listening here. And once again, you can follow along if you go to askwardy.tv. Look for episode 53, and it's all typed up there ready for you. Okay, so number one is use a lighter flour. Now June is saying she's using whole wheat. I don't know what variety of whole wheat she's using, but as a general rule, if you're using hard red whole wheat flour, that is heavier and ends up with a more dense loaf than if you use hard white whole wheat. But you can even get lighter than that because spelt is lighter, einkorn is lighter. So if you can switch up your flour and use a better lighter flour for your whole grain baking, that is just going to immediately give you the lighter characteristics of that flour into your bread. So hard white wheat, spelt, einkorn um, are gonna be lighter in um, end result than hard red, whole wheat, right off the bat. That was number one. Tip number two is to use some or all sifted flour. So I know it's really important to all of us to use whole foods. So I'm not talking here about going out and buying all-purpose flour. What I'm talking about is if you take your whole grain flour that either you mill yourself or that you purchase whole grain, either way you sift it and then you sift some of those harder and heavier components out of it like the bran. And so your flour then that you're baking with is either all sifted or combined or take some sifted and combine with whole grain or unsifted flour I should say um, and you will end up with a lighter loaf and don't feel guilty about this or don't feel like you're breaking any whole grain rules because your bread is so much better than anything you could buy at the store and to sift it yourself at home is different than buying all-purpose flour okay so take advantage of that sifter you probably have in your cupboard and sift some or all of your flour to remove some of that heaviness that's just right there in the grain okay so that was tip number two which was to use some or all sifted flour Tip number three has to do with your sourdough starter. Make sure it's ready for bread baking. You know, when we get our sourdough starters um, going, some of the first recipes that I recommend you do with a young sourdough starter is like pancakes or waffles or English muffins. That's because your sourdough starter, if it's five to seven days old, is active and strong enough for that. Uh, because those are less demanding recipes on the power, the lift power of a sourdough starter. But if you're doing sourdough bread, your sourdough starter might not be ready if it's brand new. We call it immature or young. Anyway, it's just a baby. It can make recipes that it doesn't need that lifting power, but it might not be ready for bread. So give it more time. Make sure that you're feeding it twice daily or more if the weather's hot to get it good and strong. You need a really strong colony of yeasts especially to do the lifting and the rising of your bread dough and that just takes time of cultivating and taking care and doing really good TLC on a sourdough starter. You might need to wait three to five weeks for it to be good and strong. Now how do you know it's good and strong? Well um, after a feeding it's really bubbly, produces lots of hooch, has a really good lift. Now, some people say my sourdough starter is not rising in the container. Well, maybe it's on the thin side. If you could keep a thicker sourdough starter, meaning at a feeding you do more flour than water, so it's like a thicker batter, you will see more lift and rise in your sourdough starter. So switch to doing that kind of a feeding so that you can really gauge the strength of it. Okay, so that was number three. Make sure your sourdough starter is ready for bread, the challenges of bread. 
Number four, you can play with the moisture level in your dough. I promise you, if you take anybody's recipe for bread, even mine, it is not going to behave the same way in your kitchen, okay? There are so many factors. How fresh the flour is, meaning how long ago was it ground? There's the humidity in the air. There's the humidity in the moisture level of the flour itself. There's elevation. There are so many things. So uh, you can take a recipe that's a great starting point, but you have to develop and cultivate this ability to look for a consistency of dough rather than following exactly what somebody else says for amounts. In all of my recipes, we do, we do ranges. And when I teach videos inside um, traditional cooking school, we show you the dough consistency so that you can learn for yourself what you're going for. And you always add, you don't add the whole amount of flour, you add like a base amount and you add a little bit at a time to go for con the right consistency. You also have to keep in mind that when you're working with whole grain flours, um, they, take more time to absorb water than white flour, for instance. So if you're working with a whole grain recipe and you put in all your flour and you just put it off to the first rise, but you don't give it time to absorb water, you're gonna end up with a dry dough at the end, most likely, when you check on it again. So all of my recipes, I have you adding a base amount of flour, and then smaller, but you keep your dough sticky, then you leave it in the bowl for 15 minutes at least so it can absorb the rest of the water that's in that dough, and then you know what consistency you have. And the best consistency of dough, just kind of that works well for lots of purposes, whether you're doing hot dog buns, rolls, bread, you know, breadsticks, whatnot, is it's a little bit wet. And I don't mean super sticky, but it shouldn't be dry. And again, this is a hard thing to tell you. So if you're a member of Traditional Cooking School or you're interested in more education, be sure to go to askwardy.tv and follow the links to our membership because that will give you access to videos where you can actually see this really good um, moisture level consistency of dough. Uh, but this kind of information will get you started. Okay, tip number five add baking soda before shaping your loaf. So this is right before baking. Uh, baking soda can help to, um, well, it can chemically, what's the word for this? It can balance the sourness because there's a chemical reaction that happens when you combine baking soda and the acid that the starter's producing in your dough. It's The phrase is called soda sweetens. Well, it, it counteracts the sour and you end up with a sweeter dough. So not only does baking soda help with um, little ones enjoying the bread more because it's not so sour, but also that chemical reaction that happens, you've probably seen it in your sink or your drains if you combine baking soda and vinegar, all that fizzy bubbleness, well that happens in your dough as well. Now you might not see fizzy bubbleness, but you are going to see your dough literally lift on the counter before you. So take advantage of that natural chemical reaction that you can introduce into your dough by adding in a little little bit of baking soda while you're shaping your dough for its baking. So that means like um, before you're putting it into the pan in which you're going to bake it. So it's final rise. How much? Well, like a sandwich loaf or an artisan loaf of bread like this one, you're going to do like half to one teaspoon of baking soda. You have to play with this because you don't want too much and you don't want too little. So again, this is a factor you have to play with. But baking soda is a beautiful thing to work into your um, flow. Now, I do have a recipe um, 
this one in fact. This is a no-knead einkorn artisan loaf and part of this recipe that I've come up with does include a step for adding baking soda. So if you want to get this recipe, by the way, it's free. Um, I can more um, specifically walk you through the process because the recipe walks you through the process. So to get that recipe, you can look for the link below this video. You can go to askwardy.tv or you can go to tradcookschool.com slash free bread. Okay, and that recipe is gonna show you um, actually how to use baking soda in a recipe. It's not a kneaded recipe, it's a no-knead recipe, but whether you got a kneaded recipe or a no-knead recipe, it's pretty much the same. You're working baking soda into that final step before baking. Okay, so that was tip number five. A um, few more to go. So number six has to do with your kneading time. This applies to a recipe that's kneaded, okay? This is not a no-knead tip. This is for kneading. So if you have a kneading recipe, you may not have kneaded it enough. You may need to knead it more. Here's what is happening inside that dough. Your sourdough starter is this colony of bacteria and yeast. And you introduce it into the flour of your dough, you give it time to rise and whatnot, and what happens is that as the yeast and bacteria consume the starches and sugars and flour, they are gonna give off gas. And if the dough is kneaded right, then that gas will lift your dough and cause that, that rise. So it's really um, this teamwork thing. In a good loaf of sourdough bread, you have a strong colony of yeasts to rise, but you also need a really well-kneaded dough where the gluten development is perfect. Don't be scared by this. I'll tell you in a moment a simple test that you can do, but I first want you to understand that this is a teamwork effort in your loaf. You need the yeast there to do the rising and you need the dough there that can stretch and lift when the gases push, okay? When the gases push it up. Now the simple test that you can do on kneading is called the window test, window pane test. You get a small amount of dough and you stretch it out between your fingers and the dough should stretch if it's done well, if it's kneaded right, it'll stretch without breaking to this translucent one inch patch that you can actually see through and it will not break. That shows that your dough has developed gluten to adequately stretch. Um, if your dough isn't kneaded enough, it's not gonna stretch. If your dough is kneaded too much, it's not gonna stretch, it'll break. Okay, so you, in this case, you do want to follow the recommendations of the recipe for how long to knead. And a good recipe is going to tell you if you're doing it by hand, knead this long. If you're doing it by machine, knead this long. And every flour is different. Like spelt has a very fragile gluten. You need like half the time you need spelt as you would whole wheat. So follow your recipe on that and make sure that you get that your dough passes the window pane test so that the power of the yeasts doesn't get stymied by improper gluten development. Um, as I said before, if the yeasts are pushing and the dough isn't kneaded enough, then the gluten isn't gonna stretch where it needs to to give you a good lift. If your uh, dough is kneaded too much, then the gluten strands have actually broken. And so your yeasts are gonna push, but the, the, um, the strands are broken too short and they're not gonna lift how they should. Okay, so teamwork, remember that. It's a team effort between your yeast giving off gas and the stretch of your dough. So that was tip number six. You may need to knead shorter or you need to knead longer so you get a good gluten development. Number seven, 
let your dough rise in a warm place. Some recipes have you doing a single rise, some a double rise, some even a triple rise. Doesn't matter. It all needs to be warm. So um, if it's winter and you, and you keep your room temperature pretty cool and your dough's just sitting there, it's probably not moving. It needs warmth, like 70, 72, 74 degrees. It needs to be toasty warm. Um, so if your house is too cold, but you have a warm spot, like a gas oven with a light, um, if you are baking something in the oven and your oven is venting, put your bowl of dough or your loaf pans right next to that vent. Sometimes the top of your refrigerator is warm, next to a fireplace is warm, or if you have an Excalibur cube dehydrator, pull the trays out and put your loaves or your bowl right in there. Just barely turn on the fan of it so that it's a warm environment but not hot. Anyway, your dough needs warmth. It is not going to move if it's not warm. I promise you that. And it is so unsatisfying to see a loaf or a lump of dough that just stays a lump. <laughs> so warm it up so that those yeasts, um, they need that warm temperature to work. They kind of go dormant if they're too cold and they can't do the work for you. So warmth is very, very important. Number eight, bake in a hot, hot oven. Now, there's some... Um, some evaluation necessary on this probably for a recipe that you're gonna to have to do. So I'm gonna introduce you to the principle and if you wanna see it in, in uh, truly at work, this einkorn noni bread recipe shows you this principle practically in a recipe so you could practice it. If you're working on another recipe, you may have to adapt it. Bake in a hot, hot oven. The idea here is that you preheat your oven very hot, like 450 degrees Fahrenheit, and you take your loaf or loaves, and so if it's in a uh, cast iron Dutch oven or loaf pans or whatever, you put them in the oven when after it's already been preheated really hot, and that heat will just poof your dough from the beginning, and then as the dough begins to cook, the heat is just gonna set it right there. So if, if it is possible to give your bread a poof, a hot, hot oven will do it. Now, sometimes it's not possible to poof your dough anymore. It's either just there's something else wrong with it or it's risen as far as it's gonna rise. But that is kind of your last option um, for giving it a poof. Use a hot, hot oven. Again, um, if you want my recipe that shows this technique, it's tradcookschool.com slash free bread, or just go to askwardy.tv and look for this episode number 53 uh, because the link is below this video. Okay, number nine. Um, <laughs> nine is uh, let go of perfection. Now, I know you're all here because you're like, I want to know what these tips are. What's she going to say that'll prove my bread? But sometimes you can't improve your bread. It's just what it is. You can't go back and fix it. Uh, you just need to let go of perfection. So if it's not quite as high as you want, if it is, you know, not enough holes, it's too dense, just let go of that and try, try again. So this is sort of like a encouragement tip for you. Uh, tip number 10 is to let go of complicated recipes. So you may have looked at this amazing bread recipe online and it calls for three rises and over the course of 15 days, which is an exaggeration, but, and you do this folding and you work in these special ingredients and it's got all these seeds and nuts and the point is it's complicated. Well, 
I want to encourage you to, you know, until you're really good at bread or until you actually have the energy to do complicated, um, why don't you stick with some less complicated options for bread? So one of them is this no-knead bread. You can get the recipe below this video. Um, there's a link or go to askwardy.tv. Um, but there's other things you can use as bread that have also been baked with sourdough. Um, if you're a member of Traditional Cooking School, and there's a link below this video, we have several other recipes in our classes that I call easy breads. There's a honey whole wheat bread, and that's a recipe from our friend Katie at Kitchen Stewardship. We have spelt sourdough, that is my own recipe, and we have a hard white wheat sourdough from me as well. But you can take this even further, and you can use things that you wouldn't typically think of as breads for your bread. So sourdough English muffins, sourdough pancakes or waffles, um, and, also, and there's a link below this video um, to those recipes, but you can also um, look at for a recipe, again, there's a link, and it's from our friend Tracy. It's called Not So Dense or Sour Sourdough Bread, where she incorporates both soaking and sourdough, and it results in a light, less dense um, bread. Another option for you, and there's a link, is to take that principle I was talking about with baking soda earlier. Now, baking soda we use in our English sourdough English muffin recipe, but you can, instead of making individual um, English muffins, you can take that dough um, that's for English muffins, where baking soda is giving it a lift, and you can turn it into a soda bread. And I have a link for you below this video for that too, or go to ask40.tv. Um, so, and I mentioned being a member of Traditional Cooking School, we also have standalone ebook and video packages. So when you go to askwardy.tv, look for our um, sourdough e-course or our einkorn baking e-course because we have a lot of demonstrations using sourdough with different breads. Um, another thing that you can look for is our membership because our sourdough e-course, our einkorn baking e-course are included with your membership and we have a lot of demonstrations there. Okay, so... Um, the last thing I wanted to tell you about was a, um, a tip, number 11, which is ways to use your, you know, your bread that did turn out dense. It's not a lost cause, okay? It's not a lost cause. So don't throw it away. You don't need to compost it, although composting would make use of it. It wouldn't be a complete waste. But take your loaf of bread that wasn't quite perfect and turn it into croutons. We have a bread pudding recipe you can make in your Instant Pot. Um, you can, uh, I had one more written down here. Um, stuffing, stuffing. And we just went through Thanksgiving, but maybe you want to stuff a duck or a goose or something, another turkey for Christmas. So you can use your failed or less than perfect sourdough loaves for stuffing. There's lots of ways to make use of it. It's not a complete waste. So I'm going to wrap up here and thank you all for being here. I have a couple notes as we end. Uh, Ask40.tv has all the notes for what I've been sharing here today, so feel free to refer to that, print it, share it, bookmark it. Um, and if you want to submit a question for a future Ask Wardy, you can use the hashtag Ask Wardy and tweet me on a Twitter. My handle is at TradCookSchool, or if Twitter is, you know, beyond you, that's fine too. It's Wardy, W-A-R-D-E-E, -E, at AskWardy.tv to email your question in. All right, so check out the show notes for links and more, everything I've mentioned, and join me back here again next Wednesday at this same time. It's been really fun to visit with you uh, and chat with you and help you with your sourdough bread. If you have comments now that we're done, be sure to visit askwardy.tv and just leave your questions or comments right there with the notes. God bless you, everyone. Bye-bye.
Thanks so much for joining me today. Here's what to do next. Ask Wardy wouldn't be possible without your questions, so please keep them coming. If you're on Twitter, tweet me at TradCookSchool with your question and use the hashtag AskWardy. Or send an email to Wardy at AskWardy.tv. To get the show notes, links mentioned, video replay, or even to catch up on past episodes of Ask Wardy, go to AskWardy.tv. To join the fun of the live video recording, be sure to follow me with the handle at TradCookSchool on the Periscope app or go to periscope.tv slash tradcookschool. We record live on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the Podcasts app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Ask Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to tradcookschool.com slash awitunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested in traditional cooking will find Ask Wardy too. Thanks so much. God bless you. And I'll see you next week.